Hey, sports fans, since today is the opening day for baseball, who would win in a fight between a real Cardinal and a real Cub? Let's start tonight with Tabitha the Tyrant. <laughs> I mean, Cub eats bird, Cub inherits the earth. I don't know. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me that a bird could defeat a bear no matter how young said bear was. Also, I've seen a young bear. They're very frightening up close <laughs> in the wild. True. I'm going to go, not because I'm a Cubs fan, but because I'm a logical human being. I'm going with a Cub. <laughs> what about you, Matt Dog? <laughs> um, for all logical reasons, and I'm a Cubs fan, Cub. <laughs> and as always, I'm Motormouth Mitch. And you all forget that a cardinal is a bird who has the ability of flight and can poke that cub's eye out. So my vote goes to a cardinal. I need you to promise me. Like pinky, double pinky, <laughs> promise me that you will never do that voice again. I make zero promises. Oh, Lord. I need this whole intro to say as one piece, though, for Joe. <laughs> Not to edit this. <laughs> oh, I need a nap. <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch. Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. Uh, so fun fact, guys. Uh, my voice is a little sore after that. <laughs> Good. You deserve it. You deserve pain. <laughs> So, we are going to start tonight with a few reviews. Uh, the first one is Witch Blood. It is out now from Vault. It's written by Matthew Ehrman with art by Lisa, uh, Lisa Sterrell. So, Yana is a witch uh, traveling through the Southwest with a group of vampire bikers that are on her tail in the search for Witch Blood. Uh, Full disclosure on at least my end, I think Matt's on the same page. I read this last week when we were planning on having a show, and then I was like, oh, hey, I can get vaccinated. And so I was like, hey, we're going to cancel the show. Um, and so, like, I meant to reread it so that it would be fresh in my brain, uh, but I forgot. That said, um, things I do remember about this, uh, I really, really love the art of it. Um, also like the story, it's one of those things for me where it's like, it, it almost has like the stranger things effect where with stranger things, it felt both, um, familiar and something that I have read before. Um, but at the same time, something that I have never read before. That's what I had with witch blood. Uh, it felt both familiar and completely alien all at the same time. Um, Tabitha, I think you have a more recent memory. So what did you think of this? Um, I agree with you. Like, I really like the art, like despite the fact that this is about like 
dark magic and there's blood and guts and death and destruction. Like it's so bright and poppy and like the illustration kind of reminded me of like Archie comics, like with the way the characters look, which gave it like that, like pop art feel, which was really cool. Um, the main character like presents herself as like being like badass, but also super cuddly. Like it's just like, <laughs> she's got like, like polar opposite things. And she's like coming at you like, hi, hello. But then she's like, I will murder you. And I'm like, okay, relatable. Um, <laughs> I really hate post-apocalyptic westerns. Like, I hate when people take current-day America or current-day whatever, and then they're like, okay, so the apocalypse has happened, and now we're in the wild, wild west. And that drives me insane because it's just not an original idea. It's been overdone. Um, but I really want to know how this magic system works. And, like, even though there was a lot of stuff introduced in this comic, like, I... I tracked like what was happening and I didn't feel like I was just like dropped off in the middle of nowhere. Um, also, uh, I have a new goal, which is to become a witch and have a raven as a familiar because that would be super handy. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and if memory serves, like the raven is pretty sarcastic. Yeah, he's sassy. <laughs> he's a... So like, yeah, but more, but uh, more talkative. Right. <laughs> So, Matt, what did you think of it? Um, I have to agree with you, too, that the art style for the dark magic vibe and the violence that's part of this comic, um, I was a little worried based on the, like, the cover. I'm like, well, this is light and poppy and bright colors and everything. And despite the contrast from the tone, it just it works. It works really well and it's really interesting. Um, and you know, which is funny here because I'm going to contradict, you know, usually Tabitha is not the one that likes the getting dropped off in the middle and being able to follow things. Um, and I like that in this case, I did not, I need more information about how she got there and really what the hell is going on. Like, and I know that that's coming in future issues, but like I needed a little bit more to, excuse the vampire pun, sink my teeth into, um, <laughs> but to get, to get a taste uh, for what's going on in this issue. <laughs> that second one was unintentional. I don't have my bell and I don't feel like getting up to get it. So, <laughs> um, I like you get to pass. It's, if he'll get up and get it, but now he's not going to. So why would I get the bell so I can give myself a shame? I don't know. Let me find something else to make a bell noise with then. Nope, that's not good. There. <laughs> Figured it out. Oh. I adapt. <laughs> adapt and overcome. Mm -hmm. So the cool thing about Witchblood, or one of the, the cool things about it too, uh, is we actually, we also got a press release from Vault um, last week, I believe, that they had sold out at the distributor level, level like a week before this issue even came out. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so um, for sure, if you haven't gotten your hands on this issue yet, uh, get your hands on it. It's, it's really good stuff. Uh, also, out April 7th from Oni Press is Agratsuko Meet Her World Number 1, written by uh, Molly, Muldrun, or Molly Muldoon, with art by Kel McDonald and Crank. 
So in this first issue of this new series, uh, Ratsuko is left with all the work when her, uh, when her job starts a new company-wide project. Um, Matt, let's start with you. Or no, you didn't read this one, right? I did not get to this one, no. It's just just kidding. Don't start with me. Just kidding. <laughs> Tabitha, let's start with you. What did you think of this issue? Um, this still had that, like, super relatable, like, workplace vibe where you're like, oh, man, that's happened to me before. And, like, it still made me smile. But this issue, to me, just wasn't as, like, funny or quirky as, like, some of the previous ones have been. And there just didn't feel like there was this much... <laughs> rage like when Agratsuko like rages out like I'm like yes do your thing but like there was only one like rage karaoke scene in this one where there's usually more than that and there were a whole lot of like pages with like no dialogue which is fine with me but like normally like we don't see as much in these issues so that was a little strange but like again still super relatable I'm like yeah that's happened to me yeah that's happened to me yeah that's happened to me every single time we read one of these so Office life forever. I feel you, girl. But like this one just didn't have that same humor to it as some of the other ones have. I think, excuse me. I think the difference with this one versus the other ones that we've read, whereas like the other ones were like, like standalone, like graphic novel, like trade paperbacks, whereas this one was just like issue one, you know? Um, So I feel like, yeah, like if, we had gotten this the entire story then yeah i feel like we would have had more rage scenes and things like that uh for me though like yeah like this this series like this character this this universe that this character lives in i just i love it i love every second of it it's (laughs) it's like super relatable but at the same time it's like oh hey there's there's the rage that i see inside myself every time i I have anything work-related to do. So we have a uh, triple threat trailer trailer takedown. There it is. So many T's. So many T's. All the T's. We're spilling T's all over the place. No? What's this? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with either of you. <laughs> So tonight we have a video game versus a TV show versus a movie. We have the uh, um, a gameplay trailer for Gollum uh, versus season five of Rick and Morty versus the first Red Band trailer of The Suicide Squad. Um, Matt, let's start with you on this one. Where uh, where are your thoughts? Where are your points? Um, so we knew that Gollum was coming. There was going to be a game. Um, this gameplay trailer gives us a little bit of more, a little bit more info on how the style is going to come out. Um, <clears throat> it's not set to release until 2022, um, but it is going to be more narrative driven and, as kind of expected, um, very stealth oriented as far as the action. Um, I don't know. I think this could. I, I think this game could be interesting, but there's still a long time before this arrives, and this was just a teaser trailer. So, I don't know. I'm still going to hold off full reserve judgment. Um, as far as Rick and Morty, I mean, it's it's Rick and Morty. It's, it is what we expected. It's, it's more Rick and Morty just as we know and we love. Um, as far as Suicide Squad... <clears throat> 
I guess the biggest thing I can say about this is that I wanted to like this more than I did, even as a red band trailer. Um, so I think I'm going to go five points for Rick and Morty, three for Suicide Squad, and two for Gollum. <clears throat> I am also giving. <clears throat> I am also giving two points to Gollum. Um, there's zero chance that I'll ever play this game, but at the same time, it looks cool. The graphics look cool, so it, it gets a couple points for me. Uh, Rick and Morty, I'm giving three points to. Uh, this is the show probably most up my alley that I don't watch. Like, I've tried to watch it, and the episodes that I've watched, I've enjoyed, but it's just like, I don't know why, but it's like I always forget about this show. Uh, that said, that uh, Voltron parody was just, mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, if nothing else, I want to watch that episode. <laughs> um, which leaves five points for Suicide Squad. Uh, King Shark, yes, please. Um, I, I disagree with you, Matt. Uh, I thought that this trailer was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and I had decent hopes for it, given you know James Gunn. But uh, yeah, I'm here for this movie. So, Tabitha, where are you at? <clears throat> um, so I'm going to give four points to Gollum because this is also something I'm never going to play. But like the scenery looks like like amazing. Like this just looks it looks stunning. Um, but I don't know that I can listen to that voice for the amount of time that it would take to play through this game or to watch anybody play through this game. I feel like it would like super, yeah, no, uh -uh. Um, Rick and Morty. I have always loved Rick and Morty. I will always love Rick and Morty. Um, this doesn't, this season doesn't really look like anything has changed. Uh, the scene of Beth as pinhead was maybe one of my favorite <laughs> things I've ever seen ever in the history of time. Um, nothing's changed. Nothing has to change. It's always going to be Rick and Morty and I'm giving it five. And if you're any good at math, you know, this means I'm giving suicide squad one point because I'm already tired of this movie and it hasn't even happened yet. Um, the only redeeming part of this entire trailer was Harley Quinn saying, if you cough with your mouth, you die when she was threatening the guy. Cause I was like, same, same. Can we just start killing everyone that coughs with their mouth open? Yes. Is that a thing? Um, this is superheroes with dude bro humor, and I'm not here for it. Like, I can't stand this kind of humor. If I wanted this kind of humor, I would watch Sarah Silverman talk about poop. Like, I hate this kind of humor. <laughs> Bothers me. Like, I watched it, and I almost turned it off halfway through, because I'm like, I am listening to a bunch of frat guys at a bar, not superheroes. Go away forever. Hate you all. One point for the dude bro movie because i'm not calling it suicide just because it's james gunn just because of that line where harley said she was gonna kill somebody <laughs> if they cough without covering their mouth like that gets it it's one point <laughs> go away <clears throat> so rick and morty uh wins this round of trailer takedown with 13 points followed by the dude bro movie with nine <laughs> points <laughs> And Gollum with eight. Now we are going to get into some gut reaction. Oof. Gut reaction. And we're going to start tonight with Matt and some Thundercats news. The director of Godzilla vs. Kong, Adam Wingard. Um, it kind of sounds like he has 
<clears throat> turned his um, success our early success with this movie into a dream project of his own. Um, <clears throat> he is going to be directing a film, feature film version of Thundercats. Um, they had revivals of the cartoon in 2011 and 2020. Um, they are going to use a new animated series as a jumping off point for this movie. Um, Wingard said that this is an idea he has had in his head for a while such to the point that he wrote a script for a Thundercats movie when he was in 10th grade, and it was 272 pages long. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Granted, I was not in 10th grade when Thundercats was a thing. He's older than I am, but I freaking love Thundercats like I love Transformers. Like, I grew up on this. I would, like, somebody that has this kind of passion for this story, I'm all for this. Huge thumbs up. Yeah. Um, somebody who has loved Thundercats for as long as he has, um, I am sure that this movie is going to be the cat's meow. So thumbs up. Tabitha. I hate you. Um, <laughs> this thumbs up. Like anybody who has the kind of dedication that it takes to write a 200 and something page script in 10th grade. <laughs> He said he didn't get good grades that year either. Right. Go on with your bad self. Do what you want. <laughs> so there is a new stage show based on Game of Thrones that is headed to Broadway in 2023. Uh, the play will take place during the Great Tourney at uh, Harrenhal, uh, 16 years before the events of Game of Thrones, and will feature characters familiar to fans of the show. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs down. Um, Kind of like with the Harry Potter and the... Cursed Child. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> it's kind of one of those things where, like, only, in the grand scheme of thing, only a select few people will actually experience, you know, this continuation, or in this case, it's a prequel, but still, uh, will you know, will experience this part of something that's theoretically canon, um, uh, I don't think it's necessary. Also, like, to be fair to to this, at first glance, before I read the article, I thought it was going to be a musical, and I was definitely not on board with it. <laughs> but still, thumbs down. I don't need this. Tabitha. I was more on board with it when it was going to be a musical, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm also giving this a thumbs down. It's one of those things where, like, you try to bridge, like the gap in things like get it out there like be a movie be a tv show be whatever i fully expect in five or ten years we're going to get a game of thrones movie like feature film kind of thing but like i don't need this i don't want it i don't think anybody asked for it thumbs down yeah i'm i am a i like the idea of creating a universe whether it's film tv show books etc for something like Game of Thrones or Star Wars or, you know, these other, these other properties that are trying to build the universes. One of those things that does not fit is a theatrical version of really anything Game of Thrones. Like, just, that just doesn't seem to... I just don't see how that would translate well. So I'm also going to go thumbs down. Um, 
Keeping on the topic of Game of Thrones, uh, Tabitha, you have some news on our BFF GRM. Um, so my titling for my notes says, y'all, I really hate this man with everything I have. Um, so I'm just going to read you my notes because it took me a real long time to put my thoughts together without sounding like I was full of rage, which, you know, we know I am. Um, my notes, Scum of the Earth, George R. R. Martin has entered into a five-year deal with HBO to develop content for HBO and HBO Max. House of the Dragon is still happening and has been given a 10-episode order. The series is set 300 years before the events of Game of Thrones and follows House Targaryen, which we've known about for forever, so this isn't changing that. Um, he is also now set to executive produce HBO's Who Fears Death, which is a post-apocalyptic fantasy series adapted from the novel by Nettie Okorafor. Part one, this white man should not be working on that. And he's also working on Roadmarks, which is an adaptation of a sci-fi novel from Roger Zelsny. Dear George R. R. Martin, stop adapting books for TV and write Winds of Winter, you scared piece of shit. Like, I get that it has been so long at this point that he's just, like, frightened and he's terrified. But, like, stop trying to make money with HBO. Like, who are you baking a cake for every day at HBO that they're just like, oh, okay, whatever you want to do, George R. R. Martin, here's five million more dollars. Thanks, have a nice day, bye. Like, what are you doing? Go home, type in your typewriter, write on your blog that's not a blog. I don't care. Stop working with HBO and go write a book. Or don't, and die, and let somebody else write it. I really don't have that many requests. Either write the book or die. I don't care. Thumbs um, down to George R. R. Martin as a human and thumbs down to HBO for distracting him from writing a book. <laughs> Matt. I just don't, I guess part of what I don't understand about George R. R. Martin right now is that he has been a writer for so long that that's your bread and butter. Like that's what you do. And I know, yes, like, like, like you said, he's scared now to go back and write Winds of Winter because of how big Game of Thrones has gotten and trying to put all these timelines and stories back together. But dude, this is what you do. Like you signed up to do this when you started this series, you didn't sign up to do this, write this book series so that you could produce 300 different TV shows that nobody's going to watch. Like you did this because you had a story to tell, finish the effing story. Thumbs down. I love that my rage is rubbing off on you guys about this. It brings me happiness. <laughs> you know, I am going to give, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'm apparently giving puberty a thumbs up. I'm also giving, <laughs> I'm also giving this story a thumbs up because if nothing else, how much material has George R. R. Martin given us over the years about him not finishing Winds of Winter? <laughs> like, Kudos to you, George R. R. Martin. But please, for the love of God of everyone else, please finish the book. I mean, we really should just retitle the show Geek of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Where were you five years ago? That is fantastic. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, that's actually really good. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we're going to rebrand. <laughs> I just 
think we should stick with the geek awareness. <laughs> I'm okay with that too. <laughs> uh, Matt, let's talk about Lycan. Oh, so Thomas Jane, who apparently does all sorts of things, um, is working on a comic book. Um, it's called Lycan, and he's working with Mike Carey and David James Kelly. Um, it's set to premiere in 2022 with a six-issue run. Uh, he's working with Aftershock Comics. Um, the premise is that it takes place in 1777 and centers on a hardened band of international big game hunters returning from Africa, Africa when they are shipwrecked off a small British island in order to earn supplies <clears throat> in order to earn supplies, repair their ship. The men are tasked by Lord Ludgate, ruler of the island, to find the beast that has been eating his subjects and destroy it. You know, it it's a werewolf story. I'm in. I'm going to go thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I'm also going thumbs up. Um, yeah, there's just, there's something about this that sounds really, 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 really cool. Tabitha. I'm going to go thumbs sideways because this sounds like it would be in the man venture section of the bookstore and I'm not really into those. Like, kind of sounds like werewolves written by Brad Metzger. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, it does. And so I'm just, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so Pac-Man Geo has released a new update featuring a world tour mode to explore uh, more mazes. But... The big thing about this is that, like, beforehand, I didn't know that Pokemon, or I'm sorry, that Pac-Man Geo was a thing. The way that I understand it, it's basically like Pac-Man meets Pokemon Go, and, like, I need this in my life, so thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing either. I can't stand Pokemon Go, mostly because those people will run into you while they're trying to catch Pokemons. Um, mm -hmm. But I can maybe get behind a Pac-Man game. Eh, get it? Never mind. Doesn't matter. Thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. I'm, I'm trying. I need to know how this works because I have an idea and I don't know that it's the right, I don't know that it's the way that it actually works, but it sounds pretty cool. So I'm going to go thumbs up and investigate this more. Um, Tabitha, let's talk about Evan Peters' new role. Okay, so when I first saw this article, I was a little irritated. Um, so, Brian Murphy is set to produce a limited 10-episode series on Netflix titled Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer Story. Evan Peters is set to play Jeffrey Dahmer. Additional cast include Niecy Nash, Penelope Ann Miller, Sean Brown, Colin Ford, and Richard Jenkins. This will chronicle Jeffrey's life, but we're getting that story told from the perspective of his victims. And it's also going to address the complete and total incompetency of the Wisconsin Police Department, um, <laughs> including the at least 10 times that he almost got arrested but talked his way out of it because he has white privilege. Anyway, um... <laughs> Niecy Nash is actually going to be the lead character, not Evan Peters. Um, she's going to portray Glenda Cleveland, who was um, Jeffrey Dahmer's next door neighbor, who was a black woman who reported him 
over and over and over. When I like, was realizing that the Minneapolis Police Department weren't doing anything, went to the state police, they weren't doing anything. She went as far as contacting the FBI and she was shot down every single time because she was a black woman reporting on a white man. So we have no word on the, when this is going to be available yet. And like I said, when I first saw this, I was like, oh my God, why do we keep doing TV shows about serial killers and like acting like, like it, we're, we're getting a glorification of serial killers nowadays. And it's because people are into true crime and that's fine. But like, we kind of ignore the victims anymore, which is starting to just upset me. But this is not doing that. This is addressing it from like, from Glenda Cleveland's perspective. And Evan Peters is just going to be playing this character that's in it. Like, Jeffrey Dahmer is not the main focus. So I'm going to give this a thumbs up. I trust Ryan Murphy and I trust this angle that he's decided to go with. Um, I want to see how this plays out. And I love Niecy Nash. I know she gets on a lot of people's stars, so I love Niecy Nash. Um, so I'm, I'm down. I want this. Matt. Uh, this perspective for the topic seems risky. It seems daring. It seems interesting. It seems unconventional. And I'm here for it. Like, to be able to tell the story of a serial killer, not from their perspective or from the police perspective, but from the neighbor just, I don't know. Like, I'm here for this. Like, thumbs up. Uh, when you were first describing it, Tabitha, I was ready to give it a thumbs down because I agree with you. Like, we we see too much of, you know, the glorification of serial killers and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, I'm just over it. Uh, that said, the... Uh, the premise of this show, it's different. It's a different take. It's a different angle. It's not enough for me to give it a full thumbs up because I, at the end of the day, I don't think that I'll ever watch this. But it is enough for me to go to at least a thumb sideways. So, pretty cool. Um, Matt, let's talk about some new playing cards. Um, so, <clears throat> in, a few years ago, um, a teenage girl, Mayan Siegel, um, ask her dad basically this just a very simple question. She wanted to know why the queen card is worth less than a king. Um, it led to a whole big discussion between her and her family um, about cards and hierarchy and and like the and structure of um, politics and all sorts of things. Basically, what it led to was her creating a new set of cards which she calls queen, which is the combination of queen and king, um, where they are um, both male and female are equal value, and all of the cards are racially diverse. Um, so instead of kings and queens, there are monarchs, there are both kings and queens that are monarchs of different racial backgrounds. Um, but the monarchs are the take place of the kings. Um, dukes and duchesses now would be where queens are. And again, male and female. Um, and then there, instead of jacks, they have prince or princesses. 
Um, and like I said, she's done a lot of work to um, basically diversify the cards. So it's not just all white people as the kings and queens. Um, you have all the different races represented. She's even gone far enough where there is a special version that is um, left-handed instead of all of the cards being right-handed. Because, I mean, if you look at the cards, they are all right-handed, you know, when they hold the weapons. Um, so she did this through Kickstarter. The initial version um, that she did raised over half a million dollars. Um, she's now on version two. And it currently has $170,000 of the $10,000 goal. Wow. So, um, you know, at a time when diversification and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, equality. Equality. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm so, yes. Um, it, it, although, you know, diversity and equality is so damned important. Um in society today, I think this is just a fantastic, fantastic thing. Um, it's a full set of cards. If you back the, the uh, Kickstarter, um, you basically can get your own set or two set or four sets, however many sets of cards you want. Um, she is also working with one of the number one card um, like printing companies in the world. So these are not just like flimsy cards. These are going to be high quality, um, high quality product. I'm going thumbs up. I think this is a fantastic idea. And I love the idea of, um, you know, monarchs, dukes, and, uh, you know, princes, princesses. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I'm also going to go thumbs up. Um, I don't know if this is me playing the, the white male card, but, like, when I first, like, read the headline for this story, I was like, I, I kind of thought that playing cards were like about the last thing that needed to be more inclusive. Um, <laughs> they're playing cards. I mean, whatever. Uh, but, you know, hearing all that and like hearing how much this, this girl thought about it and put the work that she put into it. Like, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, definite thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah. Same thumbs up. Like that's, that's an incredible amount of like, paying attention to detail and like realizing what we need, like huge thumbs up or thumbs up for this idea. So San Diego Comic-Con is planning an in-person Comic-Con over Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, obviously people aren't happy. Um, potential con goers aren't happy. Uh, celebrity agents aren't happy. Uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend, especially right after a pandemic where it's like, Hey, a lot of these people probably didn't have last Thanksgiving with their families. So now you're asking them to not have another Thanksgiving with their families. Um, thumbs down San Diego comic-con pick a different weekend. Tabitha. Yeah. Of all the weekends you could pick, like why pick that weekend? Additionally, I know that like, hopefully more people will be vaccinated by that time, but like, Still, all of our immune systems are going to be trash for a little bit, even with the COVID vaccine, because we just haven't been around that many people. Like, I can't fathom going into a crowd like that, even fully vaccinated, because I would come home with, like, 50 different kinds of a cold, because <laughs> I haven't been around anybody, you know what I mean? And then, like, especially that weekend, because you're 100% right, like, 
most people didn't get to see their families and now they're like, hey, just kidding. Now you have to come to San Diego Comic-Con over Thanksgiving weekend. Like, you better be bringing me a turkey. But thumbs down. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, this is just, it, it's, <clears throat> they really just should have picked a different weekend. Even the weekend before, the weekend after. Mm-hmm. Why that weekend? Thumbs down. Tabitha, let's talk about um, a new Haunted Mansion book. So this year is the 50th anniversary of the opening of Walt Disney World in Florida. And in honor of this, Disney is releasing a bunch of new merchandise. Um, They are included in this is going to be a little golden book based on the Haunted Mansion. Uh, Little golden books have been running since 1942. And almost every Disney character and property has their own book. But a lot of their like rides and features do not. So this is the start of that. Um, the, I don't know, premise behind the book is it's easy to get into the haunted mansion, but can you find your way out? You join ghosts and search your way through all the creeptastic rooms of Disney Park's haunted mansion from the seance room to the ghoulish party in the ground hall, in the grand, grand hall to the attic that holds many scary secrets. Um, you can pre-order the book now. It's $5.99. It releases on July 13th. My only thing is, is I was looking at this book. And there's a vast difference between the two buildings at the two parks for the Haunted Mansion. The one in Florida is like a, um, like an English countryside mansion. And the one in California is uh, a New Orleans mansion, um, like themed mansion. Yeah, no, like New Orleans, like French Quarter, like theme kind of thing. Um, But so this is in celebration of the 50th anniversary of, Florida's opening, but they used on the cover the mansion from the California location, which is very confusing for me. It's more aesthetically pleasing. I get it, but it's whatever. Uh, I was going to give this a full thumbs up, and then I saw that, and I got annoyed. So that's like this. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. I would go thumbs up, but yeah, that's one of those things. Like Whether it's an aesthetic choice or not, like, if you're I mean, it was like that coin where they put the wrong number of legs on the creature from the tripod, right? Like that uh, made a quad pod. Yeah. No, like if you're gonna do something like that, do it with the correct Mm -hmm. house. So thumb sideways. Yeah, I'm also gonna have to go thumb sideways. Had you not pointed that out, I would have gone 100% thumbs up uh, because I definitely wouldn't have even picked up on that. But yeah, now knowing that. It can't be unseen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matt, let's talk about the Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, So Ghost of Tsushima is a game that came out uh, end of last year, middle of last year. Um, Super popular. um, Like it sold millions of copies. Um, Sony and PlayStation are working on turning that into a movie. Um, Chad uh, Stahelski who is the director of John Wick um, is going to be working on the movie. Um, He has done work as a stunt coordinator and a choreographer. So like the idea of an action, like that kind of thing, you know, is kind of right up his alley. Um, It's still a video game adaptation. We don't have any casting. We don't have any dates. Um, But like I said, video game adaptation, I'm still iffy. So I'm going to go thumb sideways. A video game adaptation brought to you from the director of John Wick. Thumbs down, Tabitha. (laughs) 
one that you said thumbs down. <laughs> it's like the only thing you and I agree on. So anytime that you bring it up, I have to agree with whatever you said. <laughs> it's I wouldn't say it's the only thing we agree on, but it's, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's been announced that Donald Faison has joined the cast of the CW's reboot of Powerpuff Girls, which is now titled Powerpuff. Uh, he is going to play Professor Drake Utonium. Uh, I'm giving this a thumb sideways. Uh, Donald Faison is, was one of my favorite characters on Scrubs, which is one of my favorite TV shows. Um, still not enough for me to even really care about Powerpuff, but uh, I'm happy that he's still working. So thumb sideways. Tabitha. Um, he was my favorite actor from the movie Clueless because um, <laughs> I didn't watch Scrubs. Because uh, what's his name? Space makes my face hurt. Uh, Zach Braff, is that his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, thumbs up for him still working after Clueless, because I feel like pretty much nobody else is. So good job yeah. for you. I still Definitely not Brittany Murphy. Mitchell, where is R.I.P. Gone too soon. No. <laughs> Matt. Rude. I'm going to give the casting a thumbs up because I think he can do a good job as the character having seen Powerpuff Girls and seen enough episodes of Scrubs and Clueless to like recognize his acting chops. But this still like is still a project that does not need to happen. So as far as Powerpuff, Powerpuff, Powerpuff Girls, just just Powerpuff. See, I can't even do that. Like it's no, (laughs) like I still give him the whole idea thumbs down, but his casting will get a thumbs up anyways. Tabitha, let's talk about the Boston Science Museum. So March 27th is a uh, officially Leonard Nimoy Day in Boston. Um, Boston's Museum of Science will soon, if they reach their donations, um, be home to a statue in Leonard Nimoy's honor. Um, the statue will be located three blocks from the house where he grew up, and it is a hand giving a Vulcan salute. Um, it will be 20 foot tall and made of aluminum steel uh, by a local sculptor named David Phillips. Um, his daughter, Julie, made the following statement. Uh, the live long and prosper symbol represents a message that my dad believes so strongly in. My dad always loved Boston and he would be honored knowing that the Museum of Science would be the permanent home to this memorial. The sculpture not only depicts one of the world's most recognized and, lo- and loved gestures for peace, tolerance, and diversity, but it will also be a beautiful tribute to my dad's life and legacy. The museum has set up a fundraising page to help with the 11, or not 11, sorry, $1 million cost to the statue. Uh, as of 8.30 this morning, it was at $15,929. I just checked again, and it has crossed $16,000, um, which is only 2% of its goal, but it literally just started. Um, the, you, if you want to donate, it's at donate.mos.org. Um, this looks... This is this is great. This makes my heart happy. Um, as we all know, Learn Nimoy like literally invented like the live long and prosper like hand signal. Like this this is perfect. Like this is without being tacky, without being one of those creepy face statues that nobody likes. Uh, this is great. And props to Boston and the Leonard Nimoy Foundation for working with them on this. Thumbs up. Matt. Yeah, this is a huge setup. This is a fantastic idea. A great way to recognize both the idea behind the symbol and Leonard Nimoy himself. So a huge thumbs up. 
Yeah, I've got nothing else to add. This is fantastic. Thumbs up. Um, I will tell you that most of the people who are um, donating are do- donating $17 on a penny in CC 1701. Oh! Like, I looked through the donations and I was like, why is all this, like, this is a very random amount. Like, <laughs> I'm just, like, scrolling and I'm like, oh, That's I get it. better. Right? <laughs> it made that me is- smile. That is wonderful. Yeah. I forgot to forgot to tell you guys that, but yeah. It brought me joy when I finally figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for explaining it to us. Hey, no right. <laughs> All right. So this is our last story of the night. Uh, and I think that this is just it, this is just fantastic. So a couple days ago on March twenty eighth, the official Twitter for the United States Strategic Command, uh, tweeted, quote, semicolon L, semicolon, semicolon, G-M-L-X-Z-S-S-A-W, followed 30 minutes later by, quote, apologies for any confusion. Please, please disregard this post. So, clearly... People were confused. They were like, uh, what's going on? You know, are we under attack? Have we been hacked? Like, you know, are all Americans about to have their Facebook status updated? Like, what's going on? (laughs) Turns out that the command's Twitter manager left his account unattended, leading his very small child to play with his keyboard. The only way this would have been better has had been if you told me that a cat walked across the keyboard. I would have appreciated that a lot more than a child. <laughs> I feel like, for me, the my favorite part of this story is there was an official statement that was made. Because, again, people are kind of freaking out because this is a very serious Twitter account and something very weird happened. <laughs> so they put out a statement, and in it, it said, quote, Absolutely nothing nefarious happened. (laughs) And for whatever reason, that sentence just makes me laugh every time. (laughs) The fact that they chose the word nefarious is so awesome. That's great. (laughs) Oh, that is amazing. Love that. (laughs) Both the way that it happened and the apology and the Mm. statement. That's all just... It's like, this is almost something that you would expect from, like, the Twitter manager of, say, like, Kohl's or, (laughs) you know, like, Bergner's or something like that. But not the United States Strategic Command. Like, that's something, somebody that, like, every time you leave the computer, even for 30 seconds, you log out of your Twitter. Yep, you think. Like, when your computer... What's that? I wonder if he lost his job. That's a good question. But yeah, like, yeah, like, that's one of those, like, Twitter accounts, like, when the computer asks if you're going to, if it wants you to save the password, like, you're going to say no every time. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want two-factor authentication? Uh, hell yeah. Right? (laughs) I mean, 17 captions, like, (laughs) I will tell you where the red light is. That's because you overanalyze those. I mean, to be fair, 
Like some of those, it's like. Is that part of the bus or is that not part of the bus? Exactly. It's <laughs> just over the line. Does it count or doesn't it? <laughs> I can't tell if it's a stoplight in the background. Hold on. <laughs> Y'all think way too hard. I've never thought that hard and I've never been denied. So. <laughs> I have to do like three of those every time. <laughs> yeah. I just keep worrying about like, well, what if I am a robot? <laughs> I mean, it would explain did a few ever, things. Did you ever see that thing where it was Vision trying to do one of those? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Fabulous. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, we won't be back next week. We were talking off air, and I got to work next Thursday, so I guess that's going to be a thing. I know, right? But next Saturday is my birthday, so yay? Yay! Anyway. You have the day off? Uh, yeah, I have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. Whoa! Yeah! Yeah, I'm excited. So anyway, we'll be back in a couple weeks. But in the meantime, follow us on social media. We'll be posting stuff throughout the week. Uh, while you're there, give us some feedback. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Um, any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody, say bye. Bye! bye.